0: In this 200 Voices episode, Howard Goddard shares his memories of the helicopter crash in 1983 where he lost both his parents, his sister and his brother. Howard was just 11 years old at the time and one of only six who survived the crash. He's never forgotten coxswain Matt Lethbridge and the crew from the Silly Isles lifeboat station who saved their lives that day.
1: I've been going to the island since I was a young child. We always used to go to the lifeboat house. That was a trip that we did every year. Yeah, so what happened was, as a family, we always drive down from Ippleton to Penzance overnight to get the early morning helicopter over to the Isle of Scilly. But driving down, when we came towards the coast, fog was coming in The fog was quite heavy and then when we got to the helipad, the flights had been canceled due to low-level fog. They did a first flight at about 11 o'clock, and that went fine. So then they did a second flight, because there were two helicopters flying from Penzance, I was silly. We obviously took off. Um, I was in a single seat, and my mum was in a double seat next to me at the front. Um, normally, I. I asked if I can go into the cockpit and just have a look, but they said that um, they're flying at like 150 feet, and it's not safe at the moment due to the fog. And then towards the end of the flight, um, we crashed into the sea. So the first thing we felt was the cold water and the rush of water coming in. Um, and then unfortunately, as the helicopter hit the water and the, the Bonsons on the side of the lifeboat, snapped off. So the helicopter started to sink. They went underneath the helicopter and made two holes and then turned us upside down. So I was literally upside down in the sea. It was quite dark and I remember looking back and seeing the water rushing from the tail end and the steward, because he was not seated, um, kind of been knocked off his feet. And then we went underwater. Um, I remember holding my breath and then undoing my seatbelt and I actually came up through a hole that the Bonson's made at the front. And that's when I met Eleanor, one of the survivors, and she handed me a bag, which was Ipswich um, supporters bag. And funny enough, that was my brother's bag that she handed me. And we that's what all we could use as flotation devices because we didn't have time for life jackets, life boys or anything. Um, and then we all kind of came towards one group, which was the pilot, the co-pilot, Lucille, which is an islander, and Megan, which is another islander, but she was in a bad, bad way, and we were trying bits of foam to try and put under to support her, and then, and myself, and then we just huddled in a group of six. What they decided was because the navigational fuel had kind of gone over the top, you could smell it, but it was warm, so, It was a catch 22. Do you kind of get away from the slick? But then that might be something that the I might use to home in on us because of the smell. So, and then also these two lights as well came from the bottom of the helicopter, which is part of their safety devices. So we had two of those. And then every now and again we were all shouting together as a collective help. Um, But then in the distance behind us because we were two miles off. The eyes of silly. We heard the moon go off and Lucille said, Matt's coming to save us. And then we just huddled. And I think it was about 45 minutes and we were treading the water. I was 11 at the time of the accident. So you get, it's a small island. You see Matt there in the lifeboat station. And you talk to him and I didn't know him as in a friend, but just knew who he was, because, you know, that's Matt Leffridge, he's the coxswain of the lifeboat. Because the other two survivors was the pilot and co-pilot. They escaped through the little hatches at the front of the helicopter. Lucille escaped through, I think, the same as me. And then, Ellen as well, she was a, a holiday maker, the same as me. Well, it's survival and and shock, and I was only 11, so I was just kind of doing what I told. I know that my parents and my brother and my sister weren't in that group, but then I thought they might be in another pocket of survivors elsewhere. Um, Because the visibility was so poor, they could be somewhere else. Being 11, it's understanding that death is finite. Didn't really have that much understanding. We heard the maroon and we knew that um, the lifeboat was coming. They, because a helicopter had already gone from Lands End to Penzance originally, they used that helicopter to fly to see if they could see us. We could see that helicopter through the noise, but they couldn't see us because of the fog. But we did know that the helicopter had gone over. So we knew that someone was looking for us. And I remember asking the pilot where we were, and that's where he said, we're two miles off, ours was silly in the Celtic sea. And I remember being told to kick my shoes off because that'd be easier to tread water. And then if you think back in 1983, the clothing was wool and fabrics like that. So they kind of held the water so you had to take the jumper off because that was just acted as a giant sponge. We heard a boat in the distance And then we saw um, the inflatable boat coming towards us like the sound of an outboard engine. And that kind of immersed from the fog with lifeboat crew in that. So they were searching in the little dinghy boat that they have. They pulled us all into the dinghy and that that was full. So then we went back to um, the Alan Class lifeboat. Myself, Lucille and Eleanor went into the bottom hole of the lifeboat where we took our clothes off um, because they were all oily and smelly and given a blanket and I remember falling asleep there and the co-pilot and the pilot must have stayed on the top deck. They were looking for other survivors but then after a period of time, um, they decided to take us back to the island. But Megan was in a very bad way so they had the seeking helicopter come out and take her off because she was put in a bad way, but she made a 100% recovery later. The people that survived were the front part of the helicopter, so if you're in the front segment, the people that survived anything towards the back didn't survive, and they were found still in in their seats when they recovered the helicopter.
0: Less than a year after the crash, Howard bravely contributed to a This Is Your Life episode in honour of coxswain Matt Lethbridge. And he returned to the Silly Isles to meet with Matt.
1: I went to the island after the accident um, to thank him in person and also get a little bit of an understanding um, of what happened. So when he was looking on his radar, he was looking for solid objects originally because that was their first chain of thought and they found other yachts. Um, but he then saw six squiggles um, and the smell of aircraft navigational fuel. And that led us to them finding us. He was a painter and he painted one of the Almond class lifeboat in a storm picture. And I've got that at home at the bottom of the stairs. So it's the first, first thing of the morning, the last thing I see at night is a, as a memorial and a thank you. If they hadn't found us with their experience of the island, the waters, and their knowledge that they gained over the years to look at those fire shimmers on the radar and investigate it with the smell, I wouldn't be here. And uh, it was a big thank you to them. And one of them actually gave me their jumper, which back then was the oiled wool jumpers which was blue with red iron light down the middle. And I've still got that at home that one of the crew gave me. And it's just a big thank you. If the iron hadn't saved me, then I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have my, my two boys. Uh, Henry, is 25 and Oliver, which is 22. And they, when they often go to the coast, they would either donate or buy a t-shirt and things and also buy me them for Father's Day. This was bought by them for Father's Day. So, yeah, they understand the the meaning of the RNLI to them and to me.
0: Hello, this is Tani Grey-Thompson. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org. Slash 200 Voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Jochen Vauer. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.